Well, good morning. Before we uh, get into the Word, just want to take a few minutes, spend some time in prayer. Um, not sure if you have been following all of what's been going on this week. We've been praying uh, continually for Pat Scarfo, Pat and Helen's son, and he had more surgeries this week, uh, but is doing okay, stable, and uh, continue to pray for Pat as he recovers from the heart transplant. Crystal Edwards' mom went uh, passed away this past week, and uh, so you'd be praying for them. Her dad is with her today, and uh, we're sorry, sir, for your loss. Glad to have you with us. So be praying for Crystal and Charles. And, and then we got word this morning, Rich Benedict, uh, who had back surgery a year and a half or so ago, is having troubles again and is not able to be here, can barely walk. So you need to be praying for Rich and um, the uh, therapy that he's going to be undergoing to try to get him going again with that. And then Sharon Kopp had surgery this past Thursday, and uh, she is home and doing well. And we mentioned her husband, George, who's got some knee things going on, had a knee replacement a while back, and they're trying to figure out what to do, whether to redo that again or not. So a lot to pray for as well as others. And uh, every Friday that we send out a a list of the prayer requests, and if you don't get that email, we'd love for you to do that so you can pray consistently, continually for our people. Let me uh, pray this morning, and then we're going to get into the Word. Father, we are grateful that we can come to you with our needs, and um, God, we have a lot of folks that are struggling. We've been praying for quite some time now for Pat, and uh, Lord, he's had a, a rough week with more surgery and other areas, and I pray for continued strength and healing, and I pray, Father, that this may, even what they've done this week, be a, be a help to his overall healing and strengthening. Father, continue to be an encouragement to Tammy and to Pat and Helen and their family, and Lord, we, we know that you are the one who heals, so we pray for that for Pat. And God, thank you for delivering Sharon, and she had surgery, and that that went well, and now as she's at home recovering, we pray for a good, quick healing, and that um, the surgery will have accomplished all that it was intended to, continue to give George direction with his knee and what he ought to be doing in that way. God, we uh, want to pray for Crystal and Charles, Crystal's father here this morning. God, we pray that you would bring peace and comfort to that family. God, the peace and comfort we know that is beyond our understanding, but is what you give uh, and provide. Father, we pray that that would overwhelm them with your love and comfort in this time. And God, we pray for our brother Rich Benedict. Um, Lord, he's, he's really 
hurting this morning, and so I pray that you would give him relief, and as he um, gets some help this week, I pray that uh, the therapy, some of the rehab would be a help to him, that he'd be able to get back on his feet, get relief, and uh, be able to, to carry on and do all that you've given him to do there at the school. God, I, I know there are others um, who continue to struggle. We think of Eliana. Thanks that um, uh, there's good days and uh, with some that aren't so good, but continue to encourage and strengthen her, help Gene in his uh, treatments, and she progresses through that. We think of Mike's story. Thank you for the progress he's making. And God, I, I know there are others, so God, we would ask that you would provide all the health and strength physically and spiritually that these folk need. Help us as we gather around members of our body, one another. God, that we would be an encouragement and a help to them in every way that we can. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Well, a couple of, or a number of years ago, we began a, a collection of address labels when we moved here to Clark Summit, actually 30 years ago. And uh, we, we started with these address labels, and um, they were, we started noticing they were just a little off. I don't want you to think we clipped every address label that came in the mail, no. The ones that were a little off. And... Uh, You'll see what I mean as we pop them up for you, uh, maybe. Yes, there we go. All right. Um, well, we had uh, this one up, oh, I guess. All right. Well, um, I don't know whether they'll keep coming. Oh, yes. Well, um, we'll get there. Anyway, they all had different names. And, and, and this uh, one, you can see, uh, I can't because I don't have my glasses on. You say, how are you preaching? I don't really want to see people that I'm preaching to. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, we had the ones like um, Mr. and Mrs. Amos Amos. Okay, something's wrong there. Our daughter's name was Abby, and Abby Amoj, A-M-O-J, not A-M-O-S was there. Uh, we had a number of different ones along the way. We loved... We loved getting them all, and we still collect them. We have them all framed, and uh, it's interesting. Everyone, we still get new ones, and uh, there's one there. I think it was the last one that we had, and it said Dr. and Mrs. Glenn Amos, and I thought, finally. <laughs> and it didn't cost me a dime. <laughs> you know, it was great. The only problem was they had one N on Glenn. And I am a two and Glenn guy, right? Glenn, Glenn's a, yes, all right, and yes, right. Uh, um, we got three, two Glenn, two and Glens here. So, yeah, that's really good. Anyway, so you think about all these names, and and what does that mean? We laugh at all the address labels. We look for them. We love to get all the new ones. I I think I had one. I, I if it's up there, I believe it is. Um, Amos A. Glenn. Wait a minute. No, or Edward A. Glenn, I think is what it says. A for Amos, but I mean, it's like Edward is my middle name. But anyway, I'm told my name Glenn. What's in a name? We think about names. 
And so as we look at all of that, we, I'm told my name, Glenn, is of Irish and Scottish descent. Um, and that the etymology of that word, the idea involved is a glen or a valley, a low point in an area. And that's where it comes from. And, and the etymology suggests that glen carries with it an air of tranquility and serenity. Hmm. I don't think my mom would have described it that way when I was growing up as being tranquil or serene. But that's what I'm told. Anyway, names are significant. And in the Old Testament especially, names describe the character and the attributes of the individual to whom the name was given. And so as we think about names for the baby who would be born in Bethlehem. And we're there. It's Christmas season, folks. And we're aware of baby Jesus who would be born in Bethlehem. At that time, his names give us meaning and insight into who he is and what he would do. And so as we take a look, the Christmas story is found in your Bibles in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. Whoa, there they are. All right, we had it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2 is where we find the Christmas story in your Bibles. Are you familiar as we think about these two texts, the Christmas passages in the Bible? Are you familiar with the names that are given to Jesus in those two chapters? I'm not going to look at them all, but, but Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. She will give birth to a son. And, and, and this is the angel speaking to Joseph. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus. Two verses later, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, we're given this where we're told the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Over in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, we read today in the town of David, and this is the angels talking to the shepherds out in the fields, who, as you remember, were doing what? Keeping watch over the flocks by night. Come on, folks, you know that one, right? Yeah, and, 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 and the angels said, today in the town of David, which was Bethlehem, a savior, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the names of the baby who was born in Bethlehem. Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, being God with us, says a lot about who that baby was. Baby Jesus was God. And then, of course, we read he was the Savior. He was the promised Messiah. And uh, so it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around Heritage, right? You noticed we got the lights on, the trees, the decorations that are up. And I want to especially give uh, a word of thanks to Randy and Sally Nichols, who appreciate all of their work. And I know some others uh, helped with that. I don't know all of who was involved, but it, it, I love it, our church at Christmas time with the lights and, and, and just directing our attention to the great message of the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas time. And, and so as we do that, 
and look at Christmas this year and our series, A Light Has Dawned. Mitch set the table for us last Sunday morning and he preached through Isaiah verses, or chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And uh, the title of our series, A Light Has Dawned, and he gave us some historical background, gave us some spiritual context to help us to understand what was going on. And as we now, the next four weeks, dive into the four names that are given to Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 9. And so, as we look at that, would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to focus in on verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. If you don't have a Bible or a phone or a tablet, underneath the chair in front of you, there should be a Bible. And uh, in that Bible, page 762, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And we're going to be studying the names given to Jesus in this traditional Christmas verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Just follow along with me as I read that verse to you. And this is what we read. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those Four names given to Jesus. And here they are in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And if you missed Mitch's message last week where he kind of set the table for us, you can check it out online and listen to it and get caught up uh, so that you know where we are. And the four names of Jesus will be at the heart and soul of our Christmas series this year, Light is Dawned. And this morning we're going to zero in on Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. That's, I love that name. That's a great name, and I hope as we look through it that you'll find some significant help and meaning in, in that name for you this Christmas season. So, Wonderful Counselor, verse 6, for, uh, for to us a child is born. That phrase, a child is born, is speaking to the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Baby Jesus, born in Bethlehem, to us a child is born. This is prophetic. Now you say, well, that sounds like it's in the present tense, not the future. And that's true. And I won't go into all of the Hebrew. I'll leave that for Mitch and Scott because they're ace in that Hebrew class they're taking in seminary, right? But the idea is it was so familiar. They did it in the present because they were so convinced that it was going to happen in the future. That's how it was translated. So unto us a child is born. The birth of Jesus. He was born as a man, a human being. He came as a man to this earth. And then he goes on to us a son is given. That's speaking of the deity of Jesus. Now we use that word deity and sometimes People don't know what that word means. Or sometimes maybe you've never heard of him. We use the idea of deity. It means that Jesus, the God-man, was God. The man, Jesus, who was born, is also God. He's the Son of God. The deity means Jesus is God, and that's what we're talking about. Notice it says, it, does, it says about the, the child, he is born, but the son, he wasn't born. He was given. Jesus was always the Son of God, eternally, 
always the Son of God. He did not become the Son of God when he was born. That's a big deal. And uh, there, Jehovah's Witnesses will argue with you about that and say that when Jesus was born, he became God. No, if you'll study through Scripture, and we're not going to take the time to do that this morning, Jesus was always God, eternally God, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there at the creation of the world when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were all involved in the creation of our world, and and it's there. So the deity of Jesus in that phrase, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And this is, again, looking forward. This is looking forward to the day that Jesus will reign as king on the throne of David in Jerusalem. During the millennium, that will happen, and then beyond in the new Jerusalem. Uh, The government will be on his shoulders. Jesus will one day in the future reign as king on the throne of David. And he will, verse 6, be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, what do these words mean? Wonderful Counselor. Well, I have two points to my message this morning. Point number one, wonderful. Point number two, counselor. Real original, right? Well, it's there, and I think if you'll get, you'll get the understanding and the idea of the name that Jesus was given when he was, was called Wonderful Counselor. He is our Wonderful Counselor. So let's look at that word wonderful. It means extraordinary. It means marvelous. It expresses wonder. <coughs> the idea of astounding. But it is not the word that I would use when my favorite football team scored a come-from-behind touchdown in overtime to win the game. I wouldn't go, oh, that was wonderful. (laughs) Right? I mean, I wouldn't use the word that way. What would I do? Jane was upstairs when that happened, and I was screaming and yelling and on the phone with my two boys and jumping around, and and that's the words that I... But guess what? When we read the word wonderful here in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, that's exactly what it means. That is what it means. We don't think of wonderful as a 2023 word or a 2024 word, right? more of a, it's an older word, somebody might say, well, that's lovely, that's wonderful. That's not the meaning of the word here in wonderful counselor. It absolutely means what I said there, incomprehensible, unfathomable, inexplicable, inconceivable, overwhelming, awesome, amazing. Sometimes amazing is even overused in a routine way, right? We, we say that about a lot of things. We can't Think of a better word. We go, oh, that was amazing. And that's great. It's a great word. That's why we call it our amazing grace. But sometimes that can become just like that wonderful, just kind of, eh, yeah, it is. Absolutely it is. But when we think of this wonderful counselor, one writer described it as this, a phenomena lying outside of the realm of human explanation. That which is separated from the normal course of events. Jesus 
the wonder of who he is, the wonder of his name, the wonder of all that he has done for us. Incomprehensible, inexplicable, inconceivable, awesome to use a 2023 word. Maybe it's a 2015 word too, I don't know, but... But those are the words, when you read wonderful, those are the words that ought to pop into your head. And that shouldn't be too difficult when we think about Jesus. I want you to look to Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, as we call it. Luke chapter 2. And in verse, uh, verses 11 through uh, 20, I, I, I just want to read this. This is the Christmas story. You know this. Most of you, because it doesn't change. Here we are, Christmas again, right? It's December. It's here. And it doesn't change. It's the same story. But we lose the awe. We lose the wonder of that. Because it just kind of, yeah, we put the tree up. We put the lights on. Every year, I love the decorations here. And, and, and everywhere. And just thinking about that. But it's the awe of the birth of Jesus. Look at this. Luke chapter 2, and uh, starting at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, folks, maybe you don't want to follow in your Bible. Maybe you just want to listen to me. Close your eyes. or Don't go to sleep, but close your eyes. And just imagine this is the first time you've ever heard this. And think about it that way. Uh, you don't have to. If you want to follow, go ahead. But I'm just trying to help you get beyond the routine of the Christmas story. So there it is. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, and if that was me, I would have been just like the shepherds, and they were terrified they had to have fallen on their faces scared to death why because this is the glory of God folks when we think about the birth of Jesus we can't separate that from the glory of God there's nothing routine about it and then we go on look at it verse 9 an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. I just read that, but here, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because they were. I think they were on their faces. They were terrified. And the angel says, don't be. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Now, he's talking to these Jewish shepherds. They knew exactly what he was talking about when he said Messiah. He knew that that was the promised deliverer that had been prophesied years ago and that this was the, the, the fulfillment of that prophecy. The Messiah was born. And we're told there in verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, now picture this, they're out in the field with their sheep, they're scared to death, the glory of the Lord is bright and it's got to be blinding, which may be another reason why they're on their faces on the ground, terrified, and as it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, that's an angel army, not an angel choir, 
all right? An angel army, and that's the heavenly host. And they were praising God and saying, not singing, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Why do you think they wanted to do that? Why do you think they headed to Bethlehem after this happened? Because they believed that they'd seen God. They believed what they were told. They were so amazed. They were so in awe at this wonderful, amazing experience. They had to go and see what was going on. Then we look at it. Um, Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Folks, why do you think they carried on like that? Because they believed what they'd heard. They had to react. It wasn't just, huh, that was interesting. I wonder, hmm, wonder if we should head into Bethlehem and figure that, ah, we can wait till the morning. No. They believed that it was angels and that what they had told them, they had to check it out. And then as they saw Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, they couldn't help themselves, right? It says they went and spread the word and, uh, about what had been told them about this child. And who and all who heard it were amazed. The people who heard the shepherds were amazed. Why? Because the shepherds were so full of wonder and the awe of God that when they said it, everybody believed it. And then we read in verse 19, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned back out to the fields. What's it say? Glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Folks, I don't believe they slept a wink the rest of the night. Right? They were so jazzed up. They were so fired up. They were so overwhelmed with the glory of God. It just caught them and they couldn't stop talking about it and glorifying and praising God. Sometimes we come Sunday morning here and who's ever leading in our worship, they get up and, hey, come worship with us this morning. And Yeah, okay. Gloria. Right? And there's no passion, there's no wonder, there's no awe, there's no amazement at what we're singing about. And this is Christmas, folks. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Woohoo! Come on! Thank you, Joe. I mean, think about that. Listen to me. If the greatest miracles we think about are come from behind victories in a sporting event, or maybe technology. I love technology. I'm old and I don't know a lot about all of it. You know what really gets me excited? 
when I go through those high-speed toll things, like at 60 miles an hour, you don't have to stop and throw in a court. Well, that was 30 years ago, right? You have to stop at the toll booth and throw in your $2.50 to go from here to Taylor, right? You just, but no, you, down when you get down to Philadelphia, when the toll booth or the tollway ends in Philly, you go through, they have these things up and you go through it at 60 miles an hour. I, every time we do that, I'd say to Jane, this is amazing. <laughs> Whoa, man. Or if, we're, if we get all jazzed up about Alexa, hey, Alexa, turn on the light. Hey, Alexa, play this song, or hey, Siri, call so-and-so. And, and, I mean, can you imagine that? My mom and dad are in heaven. They died a lot of years ago. And I don't know, I don't think they ever met Siri. <laughs> you know, but if they had, my dad was a radio man in the Navy, and he would have he gone on and tell me a story about how big the radio things were on the ship. They took up two or three rooms to use, and... And then we carry it around in our pocket now. And, and we can get all excited about technology. But folks, if that's all that excites us these days, or some athletic victory come from, it's like we've missed. We've missed the wonder of our Savior Jesus. That's what Isaiah is trying to communicate. He's talking about the wonderful counselor. came across... This quote in a book called Dangerous Wonder by Mike Iaconelli, and, and he says this. I think I have it on the screen. How did we end up so comfortable with God? How did our awe of God get reduced to a lukewarm appreciation of God? How did God become a pal instead of a heart-stopping presence? How can we think of Jesus without remembering his ground-shaking, thunder-crashing, stormy exit on the cross? Why aren't we continually catching our breath and saying, this is no ordinary God? We need what the shepherds had. Hearts full. And overflowing with the presence of God. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. And, and he, he said this. He said the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What comes out of our mouths comes from a heart that's full and overflowing with something. And when our hearts are full and overflowing with the awe and the amazing, inconceivable presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ, it has to come out of our mouths. That's what happened to the shepherds, and that's what needs to happen to us. This would be the same wonder that Israel experienced at the Red Sea. You remember going, I, I, I've thought every time I read through there or preach through Moses and the Red Sea, I'm just, oh, I wish I could have been there. You know, who is it? Charlton Heston, right? The, 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 the great movie there. And, and, and it's like, you know, makes it look so, boy, if, if they remade that with all of what Hollywood can do with special effects and, 
and whatever else, it would, it would be unbelievable. But, it, but, it, but there's no way they could ever capture what really happened that day. The power and the amazing awe of God spreading the waters for Israel to go across when they thought, we're done. Pharaoh's army's chasing them. This is over. They've got us. There's nothing that we're, we're in trouble. And then God spreads the Red Sea. They go through, get to the other side. As soon as all of the Egyptian army gets in there, what happens? The waters cave in and they're all gone. Can you imagine what that would have been like to watch the power of God? That's the same word. Look at Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11, or just write it down. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11. And, and it says this, and, and this is the song of, of Miriam afterwards. And it, was, and it was, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You ever wonder if God still works wonders anymore? When's the last time? We, we talk in staff, we share God moments, we call them. I know some of our community groups do that when they get together. And, and hey, have you had a God sighting this week? What do we mean by that? Have you seen God do something above and beyond all that you could ask or think? When's the last time you experienced that? See, that's the wonder the wonderful counselor that we're talking about here in Scripture. Jesus is wonderful. But counselor, counselor, wonderful counselor. Don't just think good psychologist, folks. All right? We hear wonderful counselor and we think, oh, man, wouldn't you love to sit across the counseling table from Jesus? Well, yeah, but it's a whole lot more than that. So don't just think a really good psychologist or counselor who, because that significantly understates the point that Isaiah is making here. As counselor, yes, he gives amazingly wonderful advice and direction. He is awesomely wise. We do need to go to him for direction and guidance, for answers for his counsel. We get that from the Bible, this book. There's so much information here. When we need help, when we don't know what to think or what to believe, we go to the Word of God, and the advice is, is, is unbelievable that we get from the Word of God. But it's more than that. As the wonderful counselor, Jesus is our creator. He's the designer of the plan. And, and of the, the purpose for our salvation, for the salvation of all who would believe in what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us. So it's not just the advice, it's not just the direction, it's that he is the creator and the designer of the plan of salvation. That's the ultimate counsel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Let me encourage you to look at that. I'll have it on the screen. But John chapter 8 and verse 12. And this is what Jesus said about himself. 
John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Mitch referred to this last week, that Jesus is the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Do you remember back in the beginning verses of Isaiah chapter 9? And and if you were to go back and and read that, and and we saw verse 2, the people walking in darkness, people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Who's that light? Jesus. The light of the world. And that's the counsel we need in our lives. The light of the world. We, we talk all the time about how dark the days in which we're living are. They're getting darker. We may not use the word dark. You may use crazy. What in the world? You read stuff in the news, you hear it on TV, or you look at it on the internet, and, and we're like, what in the world is going on now? That's crazy. And then we read about the evil that's all around us, that's happening, the sin, the darkness of the devil that is spreading in this world, in our culture, on our earth. And we're like, oh, man, this is terrible. What's going to happen? Well, we know what's going to happen. Not every single detail, but we know how the story ends. Jesus is coming back. And if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, if we know that wonderful counselor, he's going to take us to heaven with him. And then really, all hell will break loose on this earth. I mean, I, that's as literal as I can be because that's the word of God. The tribulation is not going to be a great thing. I'm glad at least my theology says I won't be here. <laughs> Yours might, and well, have a good time. I don't know what else to say, but... As we think about that, Jesus is our counselor. He's not just that. He is our salvation because Jesus says, as the light of the world, whoever follows me will never, will never, will never, that's one of those absolute words, will never walk in darkness because that light shines in our hearts. Yes, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. But I said to you, you've got to think of him more than as just a really good counselor or a really good psychologist. We must think more about that, more than just the individual sitting on the other side of the table. The problem with that kind of thinking is that we believe we can simply listen to that kind of counsel from someone and do what we want with it. If you were to talk with counselors, those who spend their time doing that, you'd find out that one of the most frustrating things about counseling is that you give people counsel, and especially when we're using the Word of God. And it's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. I'll consider it. 
or, hmm, no, not for me. And yet it's the wonderful counsel from God and his word. David said in Psalm 32.8, we read, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. The Lord said that to David. Psalm 119, verse 24, your testimonies, David says, are my delight. They are my counselors. Listen to me. When you receive counsel from God, it's not an option. That's why we have the word, the Bible. But you won't listen to his counsel if you don't believe in the wonder of Jesus. If you're not caught up with the wonder of God in your life, that's why you can just hear the counsel of God from his word and go, eh, maybe, maybe I'll consider it. Maybe, yeah, could be, but hmm, no, not, not so sure I want to do that. We'll never respond with a negative when we understand the wonder of God. That's why he's the wonderful counselor. Not just the counselor, the wonderful counselor. And even at times when his counsel doesn't sound so wonderful, when it doesn't make sense. I mean, think about it. You read in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, blessed, happy are those who mourn. What? He says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, rejoice and be glad when people insult you and persecute you. What? Then we read Luke chapter 6, verse 27, love your enemies. Do good to people who hate you. What? But that's the counsel of God. And you know what happens when we do that, follow that counsel? We're told great is our reward in heaven. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Oh, how we ought to listen and follow his advice. Follow the words of this book. Are you following his advice for salvation this morning? Do you know Jesus Christ? Not just, not as counselor, but as your savior. He was born, a son was given. He was born so that he could go to the cross and die in our place for our sins. He was God who became man at the birth. That's why we celebrate Christmas, so that he could die in our place as a man, as a human being like us, took our place so that he could take our sin on him and provide the forgiveness that only he can give. People, is that not just thrill your heart? And sometimes we can just say, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for me. Yeah, I... A couple weeks ago, we celebrated, we mentioned uh, Ben McGrew, one of the charter members here at Heritage, 90 years old. 
I don't think I've ever, and I've seen it often. I used to travel with Ben when we worked at the college together and did admissions, and he was a registrar, and I'd never hear him tell about how he got saved without him weeping. Why? Because it means something to this day. He's in awe of the forgiveness of sin and the salvation that Jesus Christ provided for him. Are you following the counsel of God for salvation? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ who died in your place for your sins? And if you have, if you know Jesus, he is your wonderful counselor. Are you following his advice for life? Are you obeying? Wow, this, this is a Christmas message, and we're talking about needing to follow God. Yes, why? Because that's why he was born. So to go to the cross and die. We have a whole book full of direction and counsel right here. Are we following? Are we listening? Are we obeying? Are we taking the counsel that we've been given and doing something with it, obeying it? That's Jesus, the wonderful counselor. So as we wrap it up, has the light dawned for you? Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Have you experienced the dawning of the light of Jesus Christ in your heart? Jesus is, he said, I am the light of the world. And as we wrap it up with this, I, I have to ask you, do you know the wonderful counselor Jesus this morning? Have you died, believe that he died in your place for your sin? Have you trusted Jesus Christ to forgive your sin? And if you have believed, do you know Jesus as the wonderful counselor? Let me wrap it up with Matthew chapter 5 and verses 14 to 16. Matthew 5, where... Jesus now says, we, we just read John 8, 12, where he said, I am the light of the world. Now Jesus is talking, and look what he says, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Wait a minute, what? I knew the Bible had mistakes in it. No, there's no mistake. Jesus is the light of the world, and when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and he comes in our lives and saves us and changes our lives, guess what? He shines that light in our lives so much so that now we also, we are the light of the world. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Are you giving light to people all around you if you know Jesus? Are you letting your light shine? And here's verse 16. And this is how he wraps that up. He says in verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to God. 
When we have the light of Jesus in us, we are the light of the world. And he says, let your light shine. Why? So that others can see what you're doing. And ultimately, they see God in your life and give glory to him. How about that this morning? There's lights all over the place. I, I love driving around now in the evening. And, 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 and every evening when you're out, there's more and more lights, more and more put up, right? Every evening. I don't know when we get saturated with they're all up. I don't know when the last day, but, but more and more keep coming. And, and I think about that. Our lights need to be shining. They need to keep coming on. And that people all around us see that we are the light of the world. They see Jesus in us. And when they see Jesus, they point to God and go, wow, and give glory to our Father in heaven. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can celebrate his birth. Some 2,000 or more years ago, so that he could take our place on the cross, so that he could provide forgiveness of sin for all, for all who would believe. Oh God, don't let us miss the wonder. Don't, don't ever let your work in our hearts become just routine, just lovely. God, I pray that we'd be so full of the wonder of the birth of Jesus for us, just like those shepherds, that we couldn't help tell everybody around us because it's overflowing out of our hearts. Oh God, if there are any here today who do not know Jesus, who never have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive their sin, Lord, help them to know that this Christmas season would be an amazing time for them to trust Christ, for them to remember that Jesus was born so that he could take their place on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and forgive our sin and change our lives. Oh, God, don't let us miss the wonder of our lives that you changed if we believe. And God, for those of us who know you, don't let us just go through the routine of day-to-day -day living without being in awe of all that you have done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, help our lights to shine so bright that people can't miss the presence of God in our lives. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen.